and PK want to remind you Valentine's Day is not far away and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. Time to welcome you Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. You hear him on the pre-half and post-game shows with Jake Scott, his former BYU and Utah staff member, and a rock star in his free time. Tim, good morning. Good morning, my good men and good friends. What I is look the biggest to this call every week? <laughs> what is the biggest gig you've ever played? I'm very curious about this. Dave Rose told put- me. Dave Rose told me I have to see you. He said you have the whole persona that he's when he gets up there. He's not a college basketball coach who sings. You he's gotta see. Star. You gotta see the persona. You gotta see the way he fills a room with his personality. Maybe our band could be the Plaza Band this year for the playoffs, if there is such a thing. Yeah, uh, there has been. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm saying with in, COVID, right? In the pandemic times. Yeah. Oh, oh, this yeah. year. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But you got radio work to do, so I don't know how you can do it. <laughs> That's true. Um, no, but biggest gig we ever played, we won. Um, and I will say a little bit by Sutterfuge, we won the. Battle of the Bands in Utah, or excuse me, in Texas, in the, little, in the town I lived in, and our football stadium, my high school football stadium, was 20,000 in Plano. And July 4th, we won the right to play that that fireworks show. So they sent us out, up out there on the 50-yard line. The place was crazy, and we got to play a couple songs. Um, we played Pretty Woman by Van Halen and dedicated the Statue of Liberty. What do you mean by Van Halen? It's not a Van Halen tune. Well, but the one we played is. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I know rock history there, Schmelby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that answers your question. I was on with Scotty, and they said, you know, they call Frank Dolce the human detour, and they call me Timmy Tangent now because we can never get work done. We just start talking about stuff. Well, let's get some work done right away. More surprising win streak to you. The Jazz winning six in a row. The Aggies winning 11 in a row. I think the Aggies winning 11. Um, I mean, as ecstatic as I am about where the Jazz are right now, with Sam Merrill leaving and and being that guy up there, you know, for what he did for that program, um, I thought for sure, even with Kata, you know, I thought, with the freshman guards and stuff, there was going to be a little dip. And more than anything, they, they've kind of changed a little bit of their identity. They're, they're all of a sudden now the smash mouth team was really guarding and um, getting lifts from everywhere. And I didn't get to see the game last night because uh, obviously doing the jazz game, but just watching the score, I mean, that was never a game. And Craig Smith's done a phenomenal job. I would, if I was a real estate agent, I would start sending cards to his house <laughs> and trying to see if he would pick me to sell it because I think that thing's going to go up for sale pretty soon. Hmm. So that's sort of a uh, dark cloud then over a silver lining here because they're doing so well 
And well, but that's kind of how it works, right? With smaller schools like uh, this. Um, yeah, but I come mean, in and that, chop them up. Okay, but then that logic, Mark Few would have left a long time ago. True, but um, I think Utah State's got a ways to go. I mean, they've done great things, but they got a ways to go to get Gonzaga now. But how about Gonzaga fifteen years ago? Yeah, I just don't know if it's a destination location. We'll see. Maybe Craig. Maybe Craig will change that narrative. But well, Logan I think has it's been a... kind of a pond hopper for years, and I don't see that changing. Uh, I mean, you Stacy left. Morrill stayed, but he was more along the end of his the end of the line, and he had local ties growing up in Utah and having family here. He spoke of that of being able to get down to Salt Lake to see his mother and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I get your point. I think what it boils down to, more often than not, is cash. Oh, cash is king, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is the new school going like to offer? <laughs> well, I mean, it dude. is. It is. And so what does the new school offer, and what does Utah State counter if with with anything? I mean, he's good. There's no doubt about it. He's good. No, he's blown my. He's blown me away with, you know, this would be what this would be three straight years to get to the tournament, right? Yep. Yep. And last uh, year they had the automatic bid. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's really hard to do, man. And and it's interesting because I think Utah State has kind of taken that BYU role in in the Mountain West Conference that they're they're just different than everyone else. You know, they they play a little different brand of ball. Um, you know, you got to come to altitude to play them here, and uh, and I think that it's a uh, you know that was one of the things that we loved about the Mountain West Conference when we were in it was there you know UNLV and New Mexico everybody had a style and ours was just a tad bit different and it and so it was different playing us than everybody else and we kind of have an advantage there and then we went to the WCC and everybody played the same played like we did and um you know and it was there wasn't a great advantage there so the Utah Jazz have won six in a row are they going to hang with the Clippers and the Lakers in the battle for the one two and three seeds can anyone join them Will they drop back to another group? And if so, what team or teams would be in that group? Uh, I think that, yes, I do believe this team is definitely in the hunt for, I'm still going to say two and three. I mean, I just think the Lakers at the end of the day, when it comes right down to it, will probably be one. Um, Minus injury, you know, an injury to LeBron or AD or something. Um. But at that point, I think it's Jazz Clippers, uh, and then from there, really, it is a it's a coin flip, um, and you kind of have to just look around and see what you know. I wasn't overly impressed with Denver in comparison to last year. Um, I think they they're missing Jeremy Grant enormously. Uh, I think Tory Craig was good for them, uh, and and I just don't know if they've got enough around those two guys um, to be up in that conversation. I think Phoenix, you know, with Chris Paul and, and Booker uh, have a chance to possibly kind of be up in that conversation. But it's pretty clear cut that 
that you know you know you got the Lakers, Clippers, and Jazz. I think that's the upper crust of the West, and um, and I can't help but like be giddy about the way the Jazz are playing, not just you know the the success they're having, but the way they're doing it is is really kind of fun to watch. Watching him in the first game against New Orleans, it really struck me, and I think I've known this, but I think it was certainly highlighted and underlined in red or yellow or whatever, is that, man, they have just got so many offensive weapons. And when these guys are cooking, it's basically an onslaught of offense. Yeah, and what's awesome about it is they don't really, with really as good as they're kind of playing defensively right now across the board, too, um, you know, it's it's a different style. They don't have to come down and run a whole lot of action. They're getting so much stuff right away, really early, being the number one transition team. And I still think there's room to grow, um, obviously not from number one, but within the team. I think, you know, I think they, they still can emphasize pushing it more throughout the game. I think they push it really well early. And I think they push it good out of, out of half. And then I think there's some lapses there. But... Um, but you're right. Like they're, they're in my mind. They they have the best lineup of shooters across the board, um, and I think that the uh, it's kind of starting to feel like when I started watching the Warriors play. You know, when they kind of that style that they brought that was just so much more fun and new uh, to the NBA. And I think the Jazz are kind of going in that direction. It's, it's kind of pushing things in a different direction. I know the Jazz are the only NBA team right now that are shooting 40 or more threes a game and making uh, 40% or higher from three. Um, those are numbers that really translate, and they, they certainly translate because I don't think it is – I don't think they need to make 23s a night to win, if that makes sense. Uh, I think there's other ways for them to win, but – the 23s that you know that we've seen now five times is just icing on the cake. I suspect at some point in your career, you told a group of basketball players five passes before you launch a shot, and there's certainly something to that. And making a defense switch sides and all that, and and opening them up and getting an easy shot, and certainly it's fun to watch the Jazz put an opposing team in the blender, and the ball's whipping around, and they're trying to rotate, and they can't possibly keep up. But there is also something to the, hey, if we get the ball up court in five or six seconds and we can launch a three, and it's a good look, let's do it, because we're not likely to get a better a better shot than that. And they took some of those. How, in a moment, is a player supposed to decide which is the better thing to do? What is the key that they're supposed to be reading so they don't get a look from uh, the coaching staff when they come back to the sideline? Well, I think it's that's what I've been really impressed with. Is, is I don't feel like you know there's really any unless it's late in a shot clock or if a guy does you know gets a heat check. I, I don't feel like the the shot select. I think the shot selection has been terrific. Um, what the Jazz have to continue to focus on is catch and shoot threes. And what I love is every single guy now is um, able to kind of start. The, as you said, the blender, and really the key to starting the blender for for this team is less action, less pick and roll, and more direct line drives that require help. And I think we saw it last night. Like the Pelicans were caught 
time and time again, guessing wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, the the dynamic play that that Donovan made, and it reminded me, you guys will appreciate this, of the Julius Serving baseline drive where he went up and under and finished. You know that that one. Yep. That, you know we've seen a million times. It was kind of like Donovan's move last night, but in the middle of it, he just went ahead and hucked that thing on a frozen rope right out to Boyan at the top. Um, But even on that play, you know, Pelicans all suck down and and take away the drift pass to the corner, opposite corner, and drop like you should to take away any kind of diagonal pass to the opposite wing. But, you know, Donovan has the vision and the spacing is so good that he doesn't have to think about it. He knows where his guy is going to be. And that's where that's where this thing's really starting to click for the Jazz there. Quinn talked about it a lot last year as to why things weren't working great um, at times. And he's mentioned this year, you know, in, in the struggles, that spacing's a huge piece of that. And you have to be able to space the floor adequately so that you can utilize all these shooters. And I think they're doing... Like, it's a clinic right now on how to do that. Have any concern about Gobert shooting under 50% from the free throw line right now? Oh, I would say, no, I, I, I don't sweat that to the point where, I mean, it's historically low for him. And I talked all year last year. Everybody wanted to talk to me about, man, we've really blown it bringing Conley in here. You know, he's old. He can't do it anymore. Da, 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 da. Whereas, you know, there there are peaks and valleys within seasons and careers. Um, I think it's something, you know, if anything, the thing I'm actually encouraged about is typically when Rudy's faced with something, uh, he deals with it. You know, he gets motivated by it. Uh, this is probably something that's not registering well with him, and he'll continue to work at it. He's certainly better than 40%. Um, but right now he's getting, he, you know, that's the other piece of this. The Jazz are second last in the entire NBA at free throws attempted per game. And do you know who's dead last in free throws attempted per game? Lakers. Yeah, which is interesting, right? Um, do the Jazz really – I mean, it doesn't necessarily – they're not like – they're not driving it in there like old days and trying to get contact and finish. They're driving it in there to create uh, crowds and then, you know, kick it out to – a guy who's wide open with his feet set that's shooting 40%. So it's a different, it, the whole thing is a different, it's a paradigm shift for like we to watch basketball. Um, and it's just like you said, DJ, yes, it wasn't five passes we required back in when I was coaching high school. It was eight. We had a play, we had a play called eight. <laughs> and, and it was a motion. It was a pass and cut motion. And, and there had to be eight passes before a shot could be taken. And I told you, I'm Rick Majerus. It was like a sacred rite of passage to shoot the basketball. You shoot the basketball only after A, B, C, and D, right? So this is all just a total shift in paradigm. But I've, I've said from the beginning of my time in basketball, and when I came to BYU, it was such an eye-opener to me, but an open shot in transition is an open shot. And if it's the right guy shooting it and it's open and he's in rhythm, fire away, you know, um, and I think that's what we're seeing. 
Yeah, my high school, we only had a five passes because we sucked. If we tried to go eight, we would have turned it over for sure. So I think they probably just had to lower the number for us. That they was should have just let you ice though. <laughs> that would have been a problem. So I'm uh, I'm curious. The one thing is the game morphs and everything changes. I can remember asking Dave Rose when Jimmer started shooting from the logo, and yeah. it just like I could just see Dave gritting his teeth before he answered it. He didn't want to say anything <laughs> negative about Jimmer, but it was just. Man, he was old school, and you just didn't do that. And, boy, there was a part of him that died every time Jimmer took one of those shots. But then we start seeing it in the pros, and you start, you know, Damian Lillard's won a series from there, and Steph Curry's hit a bunch of shots from there. Now LeBron is shooting from there. Is that the next thing for the Jazz, that they get someone and basically turn it into a four-on-four game because they got someone who can hit from 35 feet and you got to go stand next to him and really open up the floor? I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't see this as the same thing. Uh, again, this really does have paint principles to it. It's just not, you know, they want, the ball needs to get penetrated, whether it be by pass um, off a pick and roll or off a direct line drive. And really, you don't see a whole lot of, you know, like you do with Lillard or Curry, you don't see just a lot of high ball screens, guys coming off and jacking it like it, because that's a that's an offense run for off the bounce threes, mm-hmm. as opposed to what the Jazz are doing, and they're they're just trying to get that sacred cow of the catch and shoot three, and I mean it really is. It's been so fun for me to watch because it's a totally, it's a total twist, and um, you know I know David last night on the post game show we were talking and he said you know is this are the Jazz basically doing what the Rockets did from a numbers perspective, but with better shooters? Um, I think the Rockets set the record with 1,184 threes in a season um, last year. Is that right? Am I right there two years ago? I can't remember. I would have to look it up. I don't know that. Okay. But um, the, you know, the, the difference, though, is – there, this isn't isolation. This isn't one guy man, holding the ball all the time. That ball's whipping around. Conley had 10 assists last night, you know, um, to two turnovers. Um, those are those are numbers that only have been seen since, you know, your high school team, DJ, hmm. when you did the five assists to one turnover uh-huh. for two years straight. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> uh-huh. I want to know, who do you think's who do you think looks better all tatted up, Ingram or Clarkson? Clarkson. Homer. I'm a member of the Good Vibe Tribe myself. Okay. Yeah, I'm a Clarkson guy. In fact, you know what? I love his nickname. We call him Sad. JC. Hmm, I wonder why. I'm a big JC guy. Tim Lacombe joining us, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, pre-half and post-game, former BYU and Utah staff member. Uh, speaking of catch-and-shoot guys, it seems like he is more willing to take the catch-and-shoot. When he first came here, he defaulted to putting the ball on the floor almost every time he got it. But someone's uh, encouraged him to do it, and, and to his credit, he's embraced it. Might be a little out of his comfort zone, but he's pretty good at it. I'm sorry, I missed who you said. Clarkson, J.C., I'm still on oh, J.C., yeah, yeah, no, I think is. I think he's training no, he way more to catch and shoots than he used to. No, he he made an astute point early this year in one of the post games, and he talked about you know Quinn and staff really working with him to shave some shots out of his game, 
and really work on being more efficient. So you don't see him, you really see him now, um, you know, he'll, he'll tight curl and, and get something in the paint, or he'll drive that direct line drive all the way to the front of the rim, and then he's really uncanny about his ability to gather and pivot and find ways to score it. Uh, but I agree with you. I think, I think he's kind of changed his shot chart, mm-hmm. and it's definitely for the better. Tim Lacombe, you'll hear him on the Jazz game. It's the Jazz and the Pelicans, 8 p.m. It's the Thursday TNT, second half of that Thursday night doubleheader. And uh, he'll be on the air at 7 o'clock with with Jake for the pregame show. Tim, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you, guys. Always good to be with you.